Pixar told us that they could not have developed the last few films if it wasn't for Vast. We could not have built this without some underlying technologies that didn't even exist back then. We had to make forward-looking bets. Chatbots have taken over the world. But in my opinion, that's just the beginning. I think we're going to see a lot more from these algorithms than just understanding and interacting with us in natural language. We're going to see them make discoveries and formulate new ideas. Welcome to the Drill Down Insider, a new program from the Futurum Business Podcast Network. The Drill Down Insider is a sponsored episode devoted to drilling down on one technology, one company, company leading that technology. I'm Futurum's chief market strategist, Corey Johnson. We're going to focus on artificial intelligence data management. The quality of data in large language models isn't only a data concern for the best applications for artificial intelligence. The ability to manage that data to quickly and cheaply extract insight from that data. Hey, that's the game in AI right now. So we're going to drill down on artificial intelligence data management with exactly the right company and exactly the right guests. CEO Renan Halleck of Vast Data. I mean, the name says it all. And we're going to get to that right after this. The Drill Down Insider is brought to you by the Futurum Group, where analysts, researchers, advisors, content creators, and marketing experts help business leaders anticipate and understand shifts in their industries and build strategies to leverage disruptive innovation. With deep analysis, Futurum Group's extensive industry experience delivers reliable research and data, thought leadership, and actionable advice to help you with your strategy and go-to-market efforts. Futurum Group. Welcome back to the Drill Down Insider. We've got a really interesting company here, really interesting technology, and a really interesting guest. Renan Halleck is the CEO of Vast Data. Uh, On a very big day for Vast Data, when you guys were announcing um, a huge fundraising round. Uh, Renan, let's get the news out of the way first. What is that news? What have you raised and What's the valuation on your company? What's the ridiculous valuation on your young company right now? Yeah, we're seven years old. We raised $118 million as part of this uh, Series E funding round. And the new valuation is $9.1 billion. That's huge. Yep. And it's way a up lot from bigger where than I expected recently. it to be. Last one we did was two years ago, which was at $3.7 billion. Essentially uh, triple, almost tripled, well over doubled. Um, so... Let's, what I want to do this conversation uh, in a, if, with your help is try to unpack some of the terms that we use when we're discussing artificial intelligence that get kind of thrown around because I think that it expl- starts to explain what vast data is. But let's start at the end or start at the beginning with what is vast data? How do you describe what the company does? Yeah, we built a an AI data platform, the operating system, if you will, the software infrastructure layer. Um, to enable AI applications. And so we don't know anything about large language models or autonomous driving vehicles or genomics or medical imaging, but we are the plumbers. We provide the underlying data platform that enables those applications to be very, very effective. You say you don't know about them, but um, of course that's not true. You, I think what's interesting is how the data is structured in a different way than data has been historically. And I'm going to, I'm going to go historically and I'm in full disclosure. I'm an Oracle shareholder. Okay. 
So I have a, I have a vested interest in a way that um, the data is organized in traditional methods. But I'm really there for that reason alone. I'm so very interested in how data is structured differently for the inclusion in a large language model and the ability to generate artificial intelligence from such a model. I guess we should start with the difference between structured and unstructured data. You've probably got a better metaphor to do that for it than I do. Sure. So structured data is numbers, it's rows of a database, it's columns of a database, something that traditional computers can manipulate, can understand, can analyze. Unstructured data is pictures and videos and sound and uh, genomes, uh, natural language, things that we as humans are very, very used to, but that until very recently, computers didn't really understand. Yeah, it seems like some of the um, most, the, the big breakthroughs in AI in the last 10 years started with the ability to recognize pictures and, and to, to do mathematic calculations and structure those pictures just based on what was in the image. That's right. I think the first thing that the famous example is finding cats on YouTube videos where very, very old algorithms from uh, the 70s uh, suddenly became useful because they were giving a lot more data and a lot faster access to that data. And these so are, these are neural network software uh, 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 models that were now running on essentially computer gaming chips that had uh, great abilities to do polygons, but who knew also recognized cats? That's a really interesting question because as you say, GPUs, graphical processing units, what's between that and artificial intelligence? I think if I think about it, recognizing a picture is a lot more similar to generating an image than it is to solving a math equation. And so these GPUs needed to be put in reverse, if you will, rather than just generate graphics. Now they're starting to understand the graphics and our brains are wired in a way that we're very visual people. We're visual learners. We say we see something when we understand it. It's much closer to understand text and uh, other natural information sound to seeing a picture again than it is to sift through numbers in a database. So enter vast data, which is a company that is dedicated to organizing that newly organized data. Is that fair to say? That's correct. We're storing it first and foremost, and then giving access to it um, and then organizing it and generating insight from it. So how do the organizational principles differ from the traditional rows and columns that, you know, you might imagine in a SQL database or even an Excel spreadsheet? Yeah. So there's a lot less structure, as you would imagine, as you uh, throw pictures into a file system or an object store. You don't know a lot about those pictures. Uh, the first thing you need is a very, very large storage system because these pictures or videos are a lot larger in size than rows and columns of a database. There are a lot more of them as more sensors become ubiquitous around the planet. And so you need an extremely large data store to start. The second thing you need is extremely fast access to that information because we're now serving GPUs, as we mentioned, not CPUs. And GPUs tend to be a lot, a lot hungrier. They want to sift through a lot more information as they train and infer versus the old world. In part because but they then, can, right? Because they can do multiple processes at the same time 
unlike an old-fashioned uh, Intel Pentium. That's right. Intel Pentiums used to go one operation at a time, and GPUs are very parallel in their nature, which is what is allowing us to circumvent Moore's law. When you get all of this parallelism, you can do a lot more a lot faster, but that means you need faster access to the information. And then the third step is understanding what's in it. If you run a facial recognition function or a inference function on a picture and you understand what's in that picture, all of that is accumulated as metadata right next to that raw information. And our platform, the Vast Data Platform, not only allows you to store the raw data, but also to query the metadata such that you can ask intelligent questions about your information. Let's break down some terms here. Metadata, what does that mean in this context? So, for example, a picture flows into the system. Where was that picture taken? Uh, when was it taken? Which camera? What was it a part of? Maybe it's an autonomous driving vehicle. Maybe it's a camera mounted on a rooftop. Uh, the resolution of that picture. All of that is contextual metadata that comes with the raw image. And then as you run it through a GPU to understand what's in it, you can find specific people in that picture or um, different uh, aspects that are within it. That is more metadata that gets added to that picture. And then suddenly you have metadata across and you can query in a global fashion. I'm thinking of when I was a kid and the first time I saw an eight-sided die as opposed to a six-sided. It was just this mind-blowing idea that there could be so much, so many different outcomes in a moment. Yes. Um, and it strikes me that that's the same thing happening to data that is being derived from these large language models or these this unstructured data. Yeah, I think large language models are the first phase. It's the first killer app, if you will, uh, to AI. And chatbots have taken over the world. But in my opinion, that's just the beginning. I think we're going to see a lot more from these algorithms than just understanding and interacting with us in natural language. We're going to see them make discoveries and formulate new ideas and prove math theorems that humans have been struggling with uh, because we're not that smart. Uh, But once computers are able to automate a task, we find that very quickly um, that task becomes um, a, a solved problem. So let's let's talk about some customer use cases, and I want to start with Pixar because I think that that is literally uh, to to use what you said before something we can see. It, yes. is, it is an aha moment. How is Pixar, which has been creating incredible things for for decades now and telling fantastic visual stories, how is Pixar using vast data to do things better? So Pixar told us that they could not have developed the last few films if it wasn't for Vast. They had an underlying data bottleneck that um, precluded them from giving their animators free reign in what it was that they were trying to build. They showed us movements in hair and shadows and all kinds of details that became possible because of this newly found access to data. And... More recently, what they've been doing is augmenting their animators with artificial intelligence, helping them do things that they couldn't do before, helping them do things faster and in a much higher resolution than they could before. And it all starts and ends with access to information. Does the user, um, in this case, know the animator or whatever, know that they're actually using 
data from VAST? Or are they just finding a faster experience, almost like you've, once again, like you've got a faster GPU plugged into your machine than you had yesterday, and suddenly your, your computations are happening faster on your computer? They tend to figure it out very, very quickly because they can do things that they couldn't do before. For example, um, in the past, you had fast systems that were very small and you had large systems that were very slow. And so the animator had to be conscious of what is at the foreground, what is in the background, who is the, um, the character that I'm focusing on that will have high resolution and who will not. Um, once they have vast data at their disposal, they don't need to think about that. They can just have access to the entirety of their data set. That's so cool. So literally the background uh, comes, has more visibility because the animator can start to think about, has a computational power to make that happen when they used to just have to make it soft and fuzzy, which is why we're so familiar with that look. That's exactly right. Let me give you another customer example. Um, sure. So we, our customers tend to be very, uh, diverse in nature. All of them have a lot of information and require fast access to that information. But for example, uh, National Institutes of Health, uh, were one of our first customers. And over the years, they've grown with us, uh, quite significantly. Um, especially during COVID, we found that they needed a lot more access to a lot more data. And again, over time, we've expanded with them to National Cancer Institute, for example, that are looking to cure cancer using these new AI abilities that they did not have before. It's just so fascinating that it's so many different aspects of so many different things, but it, it starts to make sense. Um, what do you think of the moment, you know, in November of last year when ChatGPT was in it released and people started to think about these decades-old advancements in AI, and admittedly a lot of them in the last 10 years, um, as if it was a customer service thing and that was the best or a better search tool or something. I don't know. I, I, and I will, I will tell you, I first learned about ChatGPT like an old person learns about technology. My teenagers were using it to cheat in their homework. Yes. Now, they insist they weren't uh. cheating. But it was that, <laughs> that use, that ease of use that was a real uh, uh, moment uh, that I think will be remembered in technology forever. I agree. With every new technology, you need that software layer to make it easy. I like to give the analogy of the personal computer. It wasn't Intel's chips that made computing accessible to all of us. It was the operating system. It was Windows that made it very easy and allowed us to move from universities and research centers onto our desktops and then into our pockets uh, with smartphones. The same exact thing is happening now where AI is making a transition from um, high-performance computing and uh, research institutions to mainstream, to the enterprise, to clouds. But for that to happen, we need that software layer to make it easy, and then we need those applications to make it accessible to consumers. I think for those who know about your company, they think about you as more oriented towards storage than data. Um, And obviously you need both, but... But explain to me why it's important for the world to understand your company as a data company, not a storage company. So we started from storage, which is part of the reason that people think of us um, as that. And what we really, the innovation that we brought to the table in the very early days of VAST, back in 2016, 2017, is a new architecture. 
um, the old scale-out systems had a lot of trade-offs built into them between scale and performance and price and resilience and ease of use. You had to choose. You had to compromise um, when you built out a cluster. Um, this architecture that we call disaggregated shared everything is the foundation of our system, and it allows us to break those trade-offs, to build one system that's faster than the fastest was before, that's more scalable than the most scalable was before, that's very cost-efficient, as well as very resilient and easy to use. And storage was the first application of this architecture. Uh, we felt that storage was the anchor of the data center and that fast access to a lot of data was key to enabling these new workloads. Since then, we've built beyond the storage uh, routes where we started from, and we added in addition to what we call the vast data store, we added the vast database, that bridge between unstructured data and giving it structure. We've added the vast data engine, which is our compute framework that allows us to schedule um, functions and jobs across CPUs and GPUs triggered by data and run on data. We've added the vast data space, which is our way of growing beyond a single silo or a single data center or cloud region uh, globally and having one single global namespace where you can write from wherever you want and read from wherever you want. All of those pieces lean on this architecture and now what we have is that full stack and not just the storage system anymore. Do you feel like that gives you a moat against competitors? I mentioned Oracle, but so many companies are trying to, to, to achieve that layer while they're thinking about um, data centers, while they're thinking about um, access points for their data centers, while they're thinking about trying to acquire the right kinds of chips or make the right kind of chips to do the easier and the heavier tasks, uh, the workloads of processing AI data. What is it about your work that gives you that moat? It is that we started late. Um, when we started ah, back in like 2016, that. yeah, we, we could not have built this without some underlying technologies that didn't even exist back then. We had to make forward-looking bets into these things. The other advantage of starting late was that we saw those cats on YouTube videos uh, when we started the company, and we could tell that the future is not about rows and columns of a database, but about unstructured information and uh, artificial intelligence, deep learning, if you will. And so that is our big differentiator. You have a lot of companies that have built data platforms in the past for today's workloads. Uh, we are the only one that built it for tomorrow's workloads. Um, and you're seeing real customer pickup. I thought, I thought it was interesting to see I, surely it's not your most important partnership. Maybe it is, but I thought it was really interesting to see your partnership with uh, HPE and, and uh, you know, here you've got a company that's really aggressively and I think really successfully so far um, becoming a competitor to the Amazon, Amazons and Microsofts of the world uh, in the, in the data space uh, in the data center space, I should say. And, and they're your partner and you're their partner. What to explain that partnership to me and how that's working. Sure. So HPE has a product line that they call GreenLake. And um, it's their product, um, it's their sales team, it's their support team, it's their hardware, uh, but they use our software in order to enable it. And what that gives us as a relatively younger company 
is reach into geographies that maybe we're not operating in and also into a different type of customer. We are um, maniacally focused on the most data-intensive organizations on the planet. And we build really large systems for them and with them. Um, and HPE allows us to have reach into the rest of the market in ways that we otherwise couldn't have. Well, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I told you before we started recording that I didn't want to get too deep into the, the financials or whether it's the fundraising or, the, or how your business is going, except that it is kind of amazing that your business is run on a cash flow basis so that you, are, you can make, raise money when you want to and you can make the decisions about what you want to go after, when you want to go after, because you're actually cash flow positive. Uh, it's a pretty amazing sp- space that you can be in to have HP out there doing selling for you to customers you might not otherwise call on uh, while you can maintain that cash flow positive uh, business. Yeah, it's important for us to maintain the high levels of growth, but at the same time to uh, be very, very efficient in the way that we build the company. And focusing on the most data-intensive organizations allows us to do that because they naturally grow with us over time as they need more uh, capacity um, to run their operations. And uh, we get a chance to see the future through them. More than we sell to them, they give us feedback and they tell us what their pain points are and they tell us what we need to build in order to be relevant and uh, to improve their business over the long term. And we treat those customers as partners of ours. We love collaborating with them. Um, And as you say, HPE gives us a force multiplier. Not just HPE, by the way. We've been partnering with quite a few AI clouds uh, recently that are uh, building up these new types of data centers and leveraging new GPUs and new software stacks um, in in new types of very energy-efficient data centers um, in order to fuel this AI revolution. And uh, going forward, we will lean more and more on partners uh, in order to build our go-to-market. Well, it's been a remarkable success story already. Uh, Can't wait to see what's next. Renan Halleck is the CEO of Vast Data on a big day for Vast Data. We appreciate you joining us here on the Drill Down Insider. Thank you very much. Coming up next, the bite. One number that tells us a whole lot about Vast Data right after this. The Drill Down Insider is brought to you by the Futurum Group, where analysts, researchers, advisors, content creators, and marketing experts help business leaders anticipate and understand shifts in their industries and build strategies to leverage disruptive innovation. With deep analysis, Futurum Group's extensive industry experience delivers reliable research and data, thought leadership, and actionable advice to help you with your strategy and go-to-market efforts. Futurum Group. And we're back with the Drill Down Insider Bite. One number that tells us a whole lot. Well, that number is 80%. What's 80%? Well, it's an important number. Because a Futurum Group analyst, Mitch Lewis, my colleague, writes that Vastdata's 5.0 software, their newest release, achieves cloud cost savings of up to 80%. There's your number. There's your bite. 80%. Why? How? Well, he credits the multi-protocol namespace as well as new multi-cluster managers that manage clusters across both AWS and private clouds, essentially meaning you can write once and manage it everywhere. Those kinds of massive savings are really important when cloud compute time is so expensive, and that's what our colleague says is possible with Vast Data 5.0. All right, well, thanks for listening to Futurum's The Drill Down Insider, our first episode 
Oh, there are so many more to come. I'm Corey Johnson. I want to thank Ben Wilson, our editor extraordinaire, who helped put all this together. The Drill Down Insider is a production of Futuro's Business Podcast Network. Mm-hmm.